And here we are live, episode 21, Lucas Grandsire Podcast. Super creative name for a super creative guy. Very excited about today's guest. A guy who, it seems like I could have worked with him quite a few times. It didn't quite happen for some reason. It's the great analyst, Dan Tom. What's going on, sir? How are you? Nothing much, man. We could have crossed over a lot, but why not combine some business with pleasure and uh, get to chat with the uh, stuff that interests us and, and uh, get to know each other and whatever else we, uh, we and, and the people watching want to talk about. I have to say, though, I feel like I'm chasing you at this point. Like, you're at MMA latest. I show up. I'm trying to take your spot. You go to Flow. I'm at Flow chasing you. Now you're at MMA Junkie and Life Movement. I'm just saying, man. Like, I'm right behind you. I'm I'm, I'm coming for you, Dan Tom. That's what's up, man. No, you have, man. And, and we were kind of talking about that behind the, behind the scenes. And, like, we just missed each other on these things. But uh, I've definitely had my eye on your work, man, and, and the evolutions. You're, you're definitely, you know, carving yourself out as one of the hustlers out here. Um, with with content, but even other stuff like production and the little things that I don't want to say go unnoticed because I think they do go noticed, especially this day and age. But man, I, I'm really been impressed top to bottom. So when you reached out to come chat, I'm like, yeah, dude, let's let's do it. Let's chat. This is long overdue. Yeah, you're like anything for you. It's like this guy Dan Tom, he's too nice. You know what I mean? Like I see you do some of these podcasts. It's like this guy's so nice. Like you just it's it just a, a, a part of it. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of former colleagues, too. So it's always, you know, I'm not one to. Uh, uh, in fact, sometimes I feel guilty. I don't spread enough love. So I, if, if people, you know, come to my door and if I'm from I'm, I'm there, I, I will answer and I'll do my best to uh, to help out. And to be honest, man, it's it's it, everybody helps everybody with these kind of things. It's great to have these kind of, uh, you know, conversations as well uh, and stuff, even between, you know, between colleagues out, out, out in the open. I mean, I like it personally. And I think, I think people t- tend to get, give good feedback from it. You, you mentioned the former colleagues. Like if you go back and you look at, you know, former flow combat guys, former MMA latest guys, it, it's gigantic. Like the amount of people that made those starts, those websites or climb the ladder, going to flow and stuff like that. Even MMA latest, I had Matthew Wells on a guy we both know very well. And we're just rattling off names. And it's just, it's crazy how many people started there and then are like yourself in these higher up positions and, you know, making a name for themselves. Matt's the man. Great shouts to Mr. Wells. And yeah, man, it's, it's crazy because you look at, you know, all the places, Matt's work, Jim, Nicole, self, uh, James Lynch, uh, as we get into the flow uh, section and, 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 you know, across the board, really like um, that was, there's some common threads there, man. And I think that's why, Guys like the James Lynch's of the world will always preach things like that. That's why the, these smaller outlets, I use air quotes there, um, not to be disrespectful, but in fact, to kind of uh, put some respect on that name, if you will, because they're very important. Uh, they're very important for people like us to get our experience and our legs, whether it's figuring out stuff we want to do or figuring out stuff we maybe don't want to do. Either way, uh, it's very useful. And again, it's one of those things where it's so easy, whether it's MMA or just in life right now, to scapegoat the media and blame the media. And there are some valid criticisms. I'm not going to say there's not, whether we're talking about MMA media or otherwise. Um, But what I will say to combat that is to vote with your clicks, even I'm not the biggest political person, you know, or anything, but I do believe in voting with your dollars. I feel like that, that counts for something you're voting with what you click on. So, you know, instead of complaining, you know, about, you know, uh, this outlet's covering this or this outlet's covering that, like click on what you like being covered because that will help translate to, to what, uh, what gets brought to you. And I know Lucas, you have your own experiences, but you can attest uh, what gets clicked on does drive what, what gets done sometimes. 100%. Like I saw everybody bitching about it, especially with MMA junkie who literally writes up every kind of news you can think of. Everybody's like, Oh, who cares about Conor McGregor and the golden steak or whatever it was he had with salt Bay. But it's like, the people do. They're clicking on that shit. Like, you know, it, you personally don't click on it if, if you know, you're not happy about it because people will complain and they just finish reading the article. And it's like, as long as you're complaining, man, that that's the kind of content that's going to get made. And if you don't like it and you like somebody else's content, click on their content. Watch even on YouTube, for example, like don't just watch the first three minutes so you get the view. Finish up the video. Help those analytics. Like, you know, people, they, they preach supporting people and stuff. But they don't realize it, but they don't necessarily do it. And they might accidentally be supporting stuff that they wish wouldn't be made. Like, you know, the golden stake and the Connor stuff that everybody was complaining about. It's like, it, that's a part of the game, man. Like you can't just only write up exclusive content that, you know, and, and stuff like that. It's got to be a little bit of everything to, you know, make that traffic happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from a psychological effect too, there's got to be something there, right? Lucas, what's that saying where it's like, uh, if you're having trouble with something, like just put your, put your energy into something else. 
and that makes you feel better. It's like, yeah, instead of getting de- you know drowned out by the negative, which is really kind of easy to do these days, you know, go ahead and support what you do. Like, because not only can the statistics attest, sadly, that stuff like, and I, 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 I even hate saying the name for this reason, but like the Jake Pauls of the world and stuff like that. Um, not only is sadly does that stuff get the clicks, but like I, I bet you, not just in my outlet, but many outlets, if you were to ask these people. They would probably tell you, like, please <laughs> click on other <laughs> stories. Don't click on this. Click on these stories instead. We would much rather write about this than that. And that's the thing. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of divisiveness, but really we actually, you know, we all kind of have a lot of commonality. So, you know, maybe we can swim in the right direction there. But uh, I don't know. I just try to focus more on, on 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 MMA and the stuff I like. And thankfully, with my beat that I was able to cultivate through the MMA latices, through the flow, flow combats, um, I've been able to focus on more just the the martial arts and the action um, side of it, which is what I'm passionate about. So, so we'll we'll see. For sure, and it seems like you've kind of built up, if I can say, a little bit of a fan base, right? Like with, through your podcast. I know some people don't like the word fan base. That's kind of what it is, right? Like you have a, a following of people that enjoy your stuff, and it seems like you really picked something that was unique, right? Like everybody thinks they can do a breakdown, but you figured out how to do it in a different way, where when people are done reading the article. They're going to pick whoever you pick because they feel like they understand it more than they would maybe at a, another website. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. And, the, you know, you are right with what you're saying. However, my self-deprecating nature will interrupt you and be like, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I consider it a listenership more than fans. But even that, like listenership, I don't even know if my my listenership could take over a Wendy's, much less uh, <laughs> anything else. You know what I'm saying? The amount of people. So you're too kind there. But I think that's the message, though, um, behind it well, at the core of what I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Lucas. You, you correct me um, if you think different, please. But I think what what you're kind of saying here and what we um, are both trying to do in our own different ways is you try to carve out your niche um, for both your passion and what you want to do. But like you said, there's residual effects, right? Like people will, will you know, uh, will come to you for certain things like, oh, this guy does great interviews or he all, he tends to interview uh, the people that the other outlets don't. So make sure you you keep him on your bookmark tabs or, oh, this guy's, you know, it's kind of crazy. He's weird, but he's got good analysis. You know, check his stuff out. Like, it's cool. You know, you're not going to win everybody over, but if you can kind of like focus on what you do well, um, I think that you'll, A, ideally you cultivate your own audience, hopefully, right? That's, that's the idea. Uh, at least if you want to like, you know, um, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't want to say make a living, but if you want to, you know, stay afloat um, and doing, doing something like that and providing that kind of a content, but yeah, also be, you know, you're, you're, you're staying true to your passion. And uh, I think people respect that at the end of the day, even if they don't like what you do, or maybe you're not their cup of tea. Uh, I think it's really hard to respect somebody who really just knows what they do, um, and, and I'm not saying like, don't expand your horizons. You kind of have to as well in this, this day and age, but there's nothing wrong with like carving out your niche either folks. People always say that, that and James Lynch, the big one that always preaches that, right? Find your niche, find your niche, find like, what do you do? That's, you know, unique or why should I come to you for stuff like that? And I think what people forget to say is that shit is hard. It is hard to tough. find your niche, man, you can, because everybody, it feels sometimes like everybody's doing the same thing. Like if you're like, I'm just going to write up news. No, like every, you know, everyone, when you get to a certain level, you should be able to do that. Like someone says, go write up this fight real quick. Normally, if you're at the top of the game, you should be able to do it. Like yourself, your thing was the the breakdowns. You know, for me, I was at one point, if you look at MMA latest, I was writing up news, shitty breakdowns and just whatever I could. And then I kind of realized like, you know, the interviews, it's not that I was good at them, but it was kind of, I was talking to a lot of guys, maybe more than other people. And it seemed like people found the value in that. So it was like, you know what? I may not be the best at it, but let me do this thing. And Hopefully, eventually, I'll, I'll stop sucking at some point and maybe get a little bit better. But that's how it is to find your niche. It's not always what you're good at or what, you know, it's what people find the value in at the end of the day. Well, you do a great job, man. And, you know, you're, you you remind me of, uh, you know, kind of my guy, James Lynch, uh, in that sense, because you just, again, you, you get your face out there and you keep doing those things. And not even so much for the audience, but like the fighter is like, oh, you know, I'm sure you don't have to, you know, reveal your booking pitches or, you know, peel back the curtain too much. But like, I'm sure when like you've done a certain amount of interviews, with certain fighter names, like you can throw those or they can see that when they type in and be like, Oh, this, this guy's actually interviewed a bunch of fighters before. And then they're more willing, you know, to take, to take the interview with Lucas. Right. So, um, th- th- that, that's definitely, you know, it's own process and stuff, man. And, you know, you've been well on your way there and you, but you're right at the same time. I think that is something that you need to, people need to realize like it's hard to do even me it was by accident 
and I have this weird sample size of, uh, you know, ex you know, experiences that I've had as well that I, I'm lucky enough to try and incorporate. Um, but like, it's not making or breaking me and it all kind of fell in a weird spot as far as how I, uh, got into breaking things down, but even me, like, and as I'm grateful, uh, to where I'm at, like, I'm, I'm still trying to evolve. Like, uh, I thought of a hobby, um, to kind of, you know, break, you know, break away from the MMA. But now the more I think of it, I'm actually thinking of how to tie MMA into it. And it's a, it's a project I'm not going to get too into here, but, uh, it's one down the road. And I think it's the direction I'm going to start swimming in. That's still kind of within MMA, but more, more into specialty content. And it's definitely outside the box. Um, again, is it, it's not an easy and who knows if it even blossoms. Right. And these ideas, like you said, Lucas, they're hard to, uh, come up with, but I, I do believe if you're passionate about something, you can find certain things. Sometimes it's silly things like, you know, what? Nicole, like me, when you do when you do breakdowns, like some of my favorite breakdowns to read, um, I think like Ben Folks used to do one, Fernando Pratas used to do do it for the Athletic as well. But they almost did like comical breakdowns, like go ahead and tie MMA with movies, whether it's a podcast, whether it's some kind of listicle thing you can tie with every event. Like find something really random and make that your thing, you know, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be like the thing you hang your hat on, but you know, it it could just be an idea. I think what was it? Uh, Shouts to Alex Caffiti. What did she do? Like the, the Tinder predictions, right? Oh, yeah. Like, again, it's, it's, it's you're thinking outside the box and you're melding something that we all know with something else we all know because, you know, it, it, easier said than done. You're right. But, but I do encourage people just throw some darts, man. I want to get your take on something because we did talk about it yesterday with Sean Madden and I, I got his coach's perspective on it. But I want to get your perspective. I feel like it sort of involves you a little bit more, but... Cub Swanson puts out a tweet. Everyone took it personal. I guess Michael Jordan meme. Everyone took offense to it, saying he feels like the media should have three amateur MMA fights. You're you're someone who's an analyst, so you definitely look at more of a technical part of the game than I guess the average guy, especially me, for example, as an interviewer. But what did you think when you saw that tweet? Like, was that something you could get behind? Like, what did you kind of think when you first saw it? Um, I, I like Cub, man, and I don't think there was a mean spirit behind it. Uh, I, I, I. I I reacted to it myself, not in a bad way or anything like that, just kind of jokingly. And um, the message I simply attached to it was just that. And because, again, like you you set it up that, you know, I, I may I put the self-deprecating hat down for a second. And I feel like I, I am probably a good person to ask. Um, I'm not the most tenured, the most qualified, definitely not the best, nowhere near, nor do I strive to be in any kind of department from analyst, journalist, media member or whatever. But, yeah, I'm I'm I'm. I'm I'm amongst a, you know, a, 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 I guess a more prominent outlet. And the thing is, is that not all media is the same for one. Not only is it the easy scapegoat, the blame paint with a broad brush. That's all very dangerous for very obvious reasons, but even within the criticism and topic we're talking about at hand, which is, you know, not all media is the same. Some are journalists. Are you going to make the argument that uh, journalists should fight? Now I think that, um, martial arts understanding and taking classes. I would recommend to everybody whether they want to be a journalist or not for one, but yes, in regards to the job, uh, would, it wouldn't hurt for understanding. However, it's not a necessity. You know, some of the best journalists, some of the best broadcasters, some of the best, even coaches who are much more closer to the action have not fought or if they fought, they were like me, they got their ass kicked really bad and you know, a couple times and, and then they didn't do it much, you know? So this shouldn't be some kind of prerequisite or something that's, that's stressed because it is hypocritical by definition. But again, I would argue that an analyst, the role that I play, that would be the most apropos where this question should be directed. And again, as an analyst, you know, amongst my media contemporaries who, aside from like actual UFC fighters and whatnot, like, yeah, I mean, I, I only had one amateur fight and then in camp for my second one is where I got these nifty glasses and suffered a really bad concussion um, and haven't competed since that was 2015, but you know, boxing, kickboxing, karate, Taekwondo, national levels, going to China, the Shaolin temple, birthplace of martial arts, wrestling, jujitsu tournaments, Marcelo Garcia's like, I've got my ass kicked all around the world in a bunch of different martial arts. Um, does it make me, does it help me? Yeah, it does. But like, the fighting parts of it, the comp, the actual competing, uh, which again, I lost way more than I won. Did that part help? Because again, that's what Cubs saying, and a lot of people are saying like they should fight. Like, if you want to say they should do martial arts, that's fine. But I would be careful about fighting because 
me getting pummeled by Marvin Eastman's son for 15 minutes. Like, I don't know if I would really be a better or worse analyst coming to you guys here today because of that. You know, I, I always liked martial arts and I always liked the teaching side because I was better at that than doing. So I credit that to any writing, any analysis, any good that anybody wants to credit me in this field. I actually credit to that. It wasn't because of me going in there and having to fight. So there are distinctions to be made on both sides of my long-winded answer, Lucas. Uh, but yes, I recommend martial arts, but no, fighting and, and, and risking brain trauma uh, for a job that requires not a prerequisite to risk your brain health. I, I don't recommend you do it, folks. Um, I've done a little bit of the competition and I'm, I'm into the journalism stuff now. And, uh, and yeah, I, you should always respect and revere these athletes because of what they're sacrificing. If that's the grander point behind what Cubs saying, I'm all for that. Um, but like everything, it gets weaponized, you know, uh, you know, Dana goes, I'm back in cub. And then I, I don't know if it was Ariel or another journalist, or I don't even know if it was this topic, but it's just, everybody's just throwing egg at each other. I'm like, stop, 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 stop. Um, but yeah, yeah. Coming from someone who's done the dance, Lucas, I can tell you, I'm, I'm, it makes me proud. I'm very proud of my experiences. I wouldn't take them back, but does it make me any better than anybody? Heck no. I think the the thing is when Cub Swanson did it, it kind of felt like his thing was like, you guys criticize so much. Like you should go out there and figure out what we go through. But at the same time, like, do you really want your media to hold back on your criticism just because like, oh, I know what it feels like to be punched. Like at some point you do want someone unbiased to sort of break things down for you. Obviously, you don't have to be an asshole and shit on guys, but you should be able to sort of sit down and and, and talk about it quite frankly. And because fighting so personal, you do tend to feel like the, the fighters, they take it personal. Like they're talking about them personally, when in reality, it's like your performance out there isn't isn't necessarily who you are. And But uh, the, the big thing I was saying on the podcast yesterday is some of these guys would get really fucking hurt if they go out there and uh, they decide they're going to take three amateur fights for the hell of it. Like whether you train or not, fighting's not for anybody, everybody. Like, you know, uh, the big thing a lot of people find out is they think they can fight because, oh, I can throw a punch. What happens when you get punched in the face? What happens when you get kicked, you get hit in the liver or something? Like, are you not going to react that same way? And that's that's what separates the fighters from, you know, regular folk. Like, they get hit and they hit again. Some guys, they get hit and you see them just turtle up and that's it. It's over. So uh, it's definitely not for everybody. And and then, you know, you see the media trying to do this whole uh, media MMA media fight club, right? And Mark Raimondi's calling guys out. Everyone's sort of throwing their name in the hat. That would be entertaining, but it would be quite terrible. But it, it just, I understand where he was coming from. But like you said, it does feel a little bit silly that these guys need to fight when in reality, that's that's not really our job. Like if we wanted to become fighters, the, the, it's not that difficult to sort of find a path to try and make it happen. And then whether or not you're good, like you'll find out if you'll go pro or not. But, you know, there's a reason guys are covering the sport and they're not trying to compete in it actively. Man, I'm glad uh, Ramundi and all those dudes aren't tagging me. That's the last thing I need to be a part of is some of those, any any Royal Rumbles, man. I tell you, you know, I, I would be more scared to roll with some of these media guys than than the pros. You never get hurt. Well, now I say never. If it's a fight, you're going to get hurt. But, like, in general, you always get hurt by the newer guys spazzing out. Yeah. So I would be more afraid of the media guys between me and you, Lucas. So. <laughs> I don't know. Man. I don't know if you heard, but Matthew Wells, he said uh, there was a plan, obviously for COVID and stuff. He wanted to compete as a as an amateur, and he was training down at Fortis, and he was gonna he was gonna take a fight. And I, I was really excited about that. Like he had a documentary coming out, I think stuff like that. Unfortunately, I think he got scrapped. But I would have been excited to see something like that because you see him do do the camp uh, fight and all that stuff, and then maybe talk to us afterwards. Like that would have been interesting. But to say he would have been better at his job because he fought a guy, I, I, def I definitely don't think so. Hey, Matt Wells could do it. He's talked about it for a minute. So if that was a plan, uh, it was something that's been in his head for a minute. And uh, yeah, yeah, man, that would have been great. I would have been all about that and supported Matt, man. Um, he's, you know, he's played sports uh, growing up and has done jujitsu and whatnot before. He's trained in MMA gyms before. So hearing that doesn't surprise me, man. He, I, I think he could handle himself. But it's not about, you know, whether this guy could or couldn't or to what degree. You know, it's again, it's, it's why you want to do it. Me, I'm, I'm a, I was a lifelong martial artist. And because of my said concussion in my second training camp, um, it forced me to this side of the thing, uh, this side of the fence, if you will. And um, yeah, it definitely, you know, improved my uh, appreciation having to deal with like some head issues of my own, you know. Um, so but at the same time, like. I wouldn't wish that on somebody, you know, I would hope that, you know, that my fellow media colleagues don't need to sustain their own head trauma to appreciate or be sensitive. And yes, not everybody is. There's certain media that could be way more sensitive to things, you know, Stephen Smith. But I mean, it, 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 it's not all of us. So just either side, I just, I warn anybody to paint with them broad brushes on this topic. 
And the crazy thing is, you know, fighting's violent. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think people realize true violence until you've got fists flying at your face, you know, potentially kicks as well. Like, it's mentally, it feels like a whirlwind. Like, I've been in a street fight before. Obviously, I haven't competed. But it's like, it, it's it's something that you, to put words on it is extremely difficult. Like, it happens in a whirlwind. A lot of stuff, you know, you're on instinct and stuff. It's it's crazy just, just how violent it is. I think that's the big word. And I think that's what people who've never done anything of the sort don't realize the kind of true violence you know, it's not wrestling with your brother in the living room as a living room jujitsu purple belt or whatever it is. Like this is a whole other world if you've never experienced anything like it before. Absolutely, man. And that's the thing is when you start covering this for a while, um, respect to the dudes like the Kevin Aolis have been like doing it for like a long, long while, right? Because you can get desensitized, I feel like. I feel like yeah. with me because you just see so much of the violence and the aftermath. It's hard to get as excited about the knockouts, you know, and this and that. That's why I'm I'm usually pretty good about wishing that the other guy's okay when everybody's getting really excited for the knockout, which is fine. I'm not trying to be, you know, Buzz Killington over here, folks. Enjoy enjoy your MMA. That's why we're all here. I'm not saying not to. It just it does, you know, when you start to see how the sausage is made. At least speaking for myself, and I definitely don't want to project that to you or others, um, you know, interested in this field. The crazy thing is when we were talking to uh, Sean Madden yesterday, he was kind of explaining like when a fighter gets knocked out, like one of his, he's like, a lot of times they'll go to the back and they think they're warming up. And he was like, and it's heartbreaking having to explain to these guys like, nah, man, you fought and you got knocked out. And it's extremely like such a sensitive thing. Like, how do you explain to a guy like this thing you've been training weeks for? Like it happened. Unfortunately, you lost and, and you know, and you don't remember it because you, you got that big concussion from going out like that. You kind of use Frankie as an example where. He scared everybody saying that he, he lost memory and everybody's like, oh my God. And it's like, yeah, man, knockouts are a violent thing. Like that's a thing that happens. Like it's not just you take a quick nap and then you're back running around and back at it. Like there's a reason you have long suspensions and stuff like that. Like you mentioned that how the sausage is made. It does seem like a lot of people, you know, don't realize stuff like that. Absolutely, man. You said it, especially good example with Frankie there. And and yeah, it's a, I mean, I, I'm not even a pro fighter. I got, I'm going to live with stuff for the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying? And, and um and i'm not complaining by the way plenty of people have it worse but it just it really it really helps your uh sensitivity um i guess toward that subject you know in general i'm glad you brought up that you fought marvin eastman's son because it's been killing me because i was like i know he fought someone i know it's a famous fighter's son and i couldn't for the life of me figure out who it was i was thinking i was like could it have been lance gibson jr i was trying to figure it out but tell me a little bit about that that amateur fight like what what was sort of the context in that one like were you on the path to you know, I want to try to become a pro fighter. Like, what sort of happened with that amateur fight? That was an interesting one. Um, yeah, I, I was uh, – I wanted it for a minute. I made sure uh, I did some kickboxing and some boxing smokers, grappling tournament. Heck, I even had a, a boxing exhibition like a month before the fight. And, uh, and yeah, I went into it. Um, it was under a complete different coaching staff at Extreme Couture at the time. It was much more disjointed. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I went in and it was just, it was, it was crazy, man. Like it 90% mental because physically I prepared as much as I could. Um, actually I did get sick the week of and my coach almost did pull me, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I think it was just from the weight cut. Um, and, uh, sure enough, I, I, I rounded the corner come fight night. So that, that wasn't even uh, an excuse or at play, but I remember, and again, I'm not, I don't want to throw any under the bus, but, uh, it was funny because it was one of my head coach had an old connection um, to uh, Marvin's son, and his the reason why you don't make the connection because if you look up the name, it's it's Buster and Nefarios. I don't know why he's got a different name, but it's Marvin Eastman's son, and he actually had a connection to him. And oddly enough, he didn't show up to my coach didn't show up to my fight, oh. uh, and I'm like, holy crap! And he was a he, without giving too much away, he was a boxing coach. So when they asked for hand wraps the day before, I was like, I was like, no, I got my boxing coach, so I didn't even do it. And then thankfully, this guy, he worked for the UFC for a little bit. Um, what was his name? Wow. Rosenbush. Adrian Rosenbush. He took me on because I was the first fight, so I was holding up the show. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there. It's my first. I don't know what the heck to do. Don't have a coach. My other dude there who's on my team fighting that night it's his first fight and he's even newer to he's way new to the gym so he doesn't know anybody i'm like oh great um and i get my hands wrapped i finally get some gloves but all the gloves were taken i think i had like a large set of gloves that didn't even fit my hands and i'm like screw it i'm just gonna i the game plan is to grapple this dude anyways 
And yeah, I just was like failing on shots. And then he would sprawl, punch me and get beat up from turtle circle around, throw some kicks. And like, I, I forgot, I, I think I threw no punches until like the end of the second round, maybe the third round. Because and I barely had any memory of it. Like I got I got knocked down by an uppercut and I didn't have a memory of it. Um, because uh, yeah, just like your your instincts kick in. Like I was throwing kicks and granted I did taekwondo and karate. Like that's what I I got my black belts in air quotes. But if you really look at me sparring, I'm more of a boxing guy. So it was just really weird. I wasn't throwing. I was throwing more kicks than punches. And I remember I got out uh, of you know speaking like not not remembering things and it was a decision i didn't get stopped or anything but i got dropped in the second round and the doctor was like you got dropped are you all right and it was funny because i i guess i wasn't that healthy i got my knee popped in a a grappling tournament like a month and a half before and i didn't have insurance i was unemployed at the time but tough enough where ronda rousey alan joe ban all these people fought they give you like uh, that's where i was fighting they they give you a thousand dollar deductible so i was like here's my plan regardless how the fight goes lucas i'm gonna be like oh i hurt my knee in the fight i need to get the mri and get it checked out. So I was like, I'm going to fight. I'm going to get uh, some free doctor coverage. I'm like, this is great. You know, the, yeah. the mind of a 25-year-old, folks, don't get hit in the head. And I was so upset that I lost. And then I got even more upset that the doctor told me I got dropped. I forgot to claim my knee injury. I, I was like, fuck that. I didn't get dropped. And, <laughs> but like, my, my even without getting knocked out, you lose memory. You know, I remember Alex Caceres, we fought somebody. He got knocked down. And he goes, we still got two more rounds to go, right? And, you know, John Crouch in the corner goes, no, this is the third round. Alex Caceres flips out and goes, you're a liar. No. <laughs> and he's like, because you don't you don't have to get knocked. That's the point. You don't even have to get, like, brutally knocked out like Frankie to just get these memory loss things. So long answer to your question, but that was my first fight experience. And I always wanted to get the monkey off my back because – even though I suck and I was never going to be a pro and I had no illusion that I sucked by the way, but like I technically had wins in every martial art pretty much. If you want to go down the line, except MMA. So that's why I got into the second camp having the midlife crisis, not midlife, but for men, when we, we get to 30, we, something goes weird with us. And I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't hit 30 without, uh, without getting this win. And then, uh, yeah, I got into my camp and then got got concussed in in, in sparring. And uh, here I am talking to you, Lucas. <laughs> there we go. All roads lead back to Lucas. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about you. You don't necessarily remember everything from that fight. What emotions do you kind of remember from being out there in the cage? Like, what's from what you can remember? What's going through your mind as the fight is happening? Not much from the fight. Uh, again, uh, maybe because of the the shot, but I do remember trying to process things. I walked out first. And as my opponent's walking out, I'm like processing things. Holy crap. And this is kind of funny side note. I, all of a sudden I hear, Dan, Dan, is that you? And I turn and the, the really hot ring girl is this girl I went to high school with. Um, named Alice, shout out to Alice, ring card girl, long time ring card girl for Tough Enough. I was like, she's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know. Because <laughs> I was awkward. I'm, you know, even in fight mode, I'm still awkward self-deprecating Dan Tom over here. Like, geez, I can't even act tough when I'm in a cage. Like, no wonder, no wonder, Dan, you're dating record. And I actually had a girlfriend at that time too. So like I lose the fight and I'm, so now I'm trying to collect, right? So now I don't remember the fight talking about emotions. And I'm like, well, at least, at least my girlfriend said she'd take me to like this, this nice dinner, which she didn't take me to. And you know, maybe I get some comfort. No, first thing is, first thing she says, now, nah, are you okay, Lucas? She's, who was that ring car girl you were talking to before the fight started? Like, <laughs> I just got beat up for 15 minutes. You're going to give me crap for saying hi to a ring card? She said hi to me. Anyways. (laughs) Hold on. I I got dropped. I might have a concussion. You want to know who I was talking to? I don't even know who I was talking to. I don't even know who I fought. Like, you know, you got to plead the fifth on that one. You got to use every excuse you can in that situation. Absolutely. But so it it sounds like today you're able to talk about it, right? And kind of laugh about it. Like, wasn't a great performance and stuff. But I assume at the time that, that wasn't the case. Like there must have been like a fuck that. Like no, I did this. I did like I can't imagine like after the fight you're taking it as well as maybe you are today. Um, no, I mean I, to be honest, I, that's a, that's the bad part of me. I wasn't a good enough competitor because I was probably a little too okay with losing. Um, in the sense that I probably should have gotten more upset to be honest about it. Like, but for me it was more about the experience. I wanted to win. But for me, it was more about the experience. And clearly, I wanted the win because I went back to do it again, right? Even though I 
I couldn't for other reasons. But like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I, I obviously I'm more mature now, so I can handle a multitude of things better. But um, as far as that goes, yeah, man, I don't even think I really handled that bad for as stupid and as more immature as I was back then, to be honest. I was I was pretty OK with it for the most. I was pretty square. I was pretty square with it for the most part. All right, listen, we're going to take a, a quick break here and then we'll get back at it for the second half of the show and talk a little bit about MMA Junkie and uh, all that good stuff. All right, let me see. I, I'll take over a little bit for the time being. Listen, we, we talked a little bit about with Dan, like what, what kind of happened with uh, us missing MMA latest and stuff like that. But the crazy thing is, you know, I remember sort of his, his name. He was kind of like the, the inspiration for us, right? Like it was people were telling you, like, start at the small website, build your way up. And the example people always put was like Dan Tom, right? Like started at the same website as us, went to Flow Combat. Look at him today at MMA Junkie. He doesn't want to give himself credit and stuff like that. But look at him. He's doing the damn thing. So. It, it, it's crazy because he's one of those guys that you know when you're coming when you're on the come up you look at a guy like dang that's kind of the journey you take right like you start writing here you find your niche just like he did you end up at flow combat and stuff like that and it's crazy you see him now and the way he talks about it, it doesn't seem like a big deal but my guy you got the blue check mark on twitter you're with mma junkie people recognize your name and you have a fan base like it's i don't think he realizes just how inspirational he is for us and that's why i feel like it's important to get him on the podcast too right like we we, we missed them. <laughs> you know, we missed each other at Flow Combat. I missed each other at MMA Latest. And now we get to kind of, you know, talk about it. Finally have the, the paths crossed. You know what I mean? But unfortunately, it means that if I ever join an MMA junkie, it means that Dan Tom has to leave, right? That's 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 the rule of our time. So listen, Dan Tom, I guess you can find him on, on Twitter. You find him on Instagram, all that good stuff. Find him at MMA Junkie. So if you guys want to subscribe to him, all that good stuff, that would be great. Subscribe to me as well, right? Like, but if you're watching this, there's a there's a good chance <laughs> you already do. And uh, listen, uh, it looks like he's he's going. He'll be back any minute. I can quit stalling, which obviously I'm so great at. I don't know how Luke Thomas does it. And then uh, yeah, boom, there we go. We got our we got our guest back. I am probably the worst staller. I have no idea how Luke Thomas does. <laughs> he just sits there for two hours talking whatever. It's a gift. It's a gift. That's exactly what it is. It's a gift. It's tough, man. Luke, uh, Luke is the man, by the way. And uh, he does it without like saying ridiculous stuff like I will do. I, I'm better at <laughs> filling time. But again, it, I, I, I got to get the quality uh, and not the craziness down. But uh, I appreciate you bearing with me because this conversation is good. For sure. Listen, I, I was I was saying off air like a little bit like when when we're at MMA latest, you know, you're kind of the guy people look at as sort of the the inspiration and you won't say it, but I will like when people are like, look, build your way up at a smaller website, climb the ladder, end up at a big website. Everybody's like, look at damn Tom. Like, like, look at the way he did it. Like, look at the fact that he, he cl climbed his way all the way up there. And it's kind of like, you're, you're the guy for a lot of people that are up and coming that serves as that example of, look, you know, bust your ass, find your niche and stuff like that. And that's, you know, I mean, you got to sit there and be humble, so you don't have to say anything, but you are the guy that a lot of people look up to. And the fact that you're able to be such a, such a nice guy about it. Cause you see some guys, they, they start to reach a certain level and they're kind of a dick, but you know, you do serve as an as an inspiration to a lot of people. Yeah, it's funny. Um, it's like that's one of the reasons why you got to be careful or r remind yourself that both sides bear the same criticisms because you see the fighters when they get a lot of success. Maybe it comes uh, right on time. Maybe it comes a bit early, and then they start, you know, getting. And then then later in interviews, they might not admit it then after those losses, but they're like, "Yeah, man, you know, I got too high on my horse. I was just this or that." And I feel like that's a trap in like all facets of life, you know? And like you said, you could even see that um, with media. And I get it. This is a tough thing to cut your cut your teeth in. And you got to stand out. Um, but for me, even though I may have had a, let's be honest, an easier break because, again, it, it with, with analysis, we're really spoiled now. There's so many people that do good analysis now. There's so many outlets for it, right? But the reason why I started doing it, because this was kind of the one thing that was 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 lacking at the time. Um, so I feel like, uh, I, you know, I, there was a nice window. I took my shot and I'm not much of a timing guy. I'm not much of a shooter, Lucas. But like you said, even I even my even my humble ass has to admit <laughs> it paid off. Right. It, it paid off. Right. So I appreciate you saying that. And and I have heard that before. And I'm, I'm humbled by it. You're right. Um, absolutely. But that's just. You know, to be honest, I, that's, that's one thing that I feel the frustrations or this or that, or maybe you don't even like have to tell yourself like a clear dialogue, like I'm going to be more this or I'm going to be more edgy or whatever. 
I think a lot of the times when you see people do it, it's kind of natural. It's like human nature. Now it might not be the best natural, um, uh, the best kind of organic. Right. Um, so for me, I just, I just try to remind myself that like, I'm still learning, you know, um, I forget, like I was talking like some YouTube stuff with, uh, James Lynch, who's always, you know, been very helpful to me. Um, and I was like, you know what, man, because like, it's, it's, it, it was funny. Like we we're talking about some stuff and, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm the best comparison. Cause like, it, it's, it's such a wide gap. Um, like I, to be honest, I I'm just trying to pick those guys' brains so I can learn more. Uh, because I just got to just like martial arts, just like analysis work. Um, right now I'm focusing on YouTube and video and those are the things I'm trying to focus on Lucas, like many of us, right. In this era, um, I'm like, you know what? It, it comes down to the same thing. Reps, reps, reps. Like, I, I got to put the reps. I got to put the time in just like with your interviews. Um, your it's not a coincidence that your production quality, your interviews and your interviewing quality and the comfort that you, you now show much way better on camera. Lucas, it's not a coincidence that like that, those things all went like this, right? Maybe to you it goes like this, maybe a little slower to other people. It goes like this, but the fact is it's all moving in one. Right. And, and it's because you're doing what you're doing reps and that's just so huge. It's so huge. And that's something that um, I, I try to humble myself with. And I'm not saying it's going to answer your questions, but like whatever you're doing, whether it's MMA or not related, like just try to get those reps in and just, just get out there and do it. You'd be, you, you'd be surprised the results you can get. You mentioned keeping yourself humble. I feel like that's what YouTube is there for. Like YouTube is such a man. You, yeah. So there's sometimes like you release something and obviously every time you make content, normally you should think this is the greatest thing in the world. Means of people should see it. And you, when you release it, and you maybe get 30 views in like a, you know, like a day or something. And then, you know, and then you try to justify, you're like, well, imagine you put 30 people, you know, in, in you know, in my house or something. That's a lot of people. It's, if, you know, for the internet, it's nothing. But that YouTube, what a pain in the ass. And I feel like you understand it too, because I know you started your YouTube channel recently, but what a grind YouTube is. Like I, when I started, I thought if your content is good, if you have content, people will subscribe. They will not subscribe if you have just content. Like you got to market that shit. And that is obviously something I very much struggle with because, you know, and like you said, I'll talk to James Lynch too. And a lot of the things it's like people are saying, you know, make clips, try to, try to, you know, find the snippets in the interviews. What's something maybe a little bit more, I don't want to use clickbait. It's not the right term, but a little bit clickbaity, you know, a fighter saying he's going to do this to someone, whatever, but it's God, what a grind YouTube is. It is, man. It is. It's like, it's all martial art. I swear it. I'm, I'm definitely a white belt. I don't even have a stripe on my white belt, like kind of a white belt too. But it, it, it's humbling, man. You're right. That's the perfect way you put it perfectly, uh, perfectly, dude. It's it's very it's it's very it's very humbling. But again, um, if you don't have a, a smaller outlet, because even those you know can be harder to come by, which again is another reason why it makes me sad. And I revert back to the previous message: vote with your clicks. You know, as far as that goes. But even if you don't, make your own outlet. You know, with a YouTube or a website. You know, they have the Squarespace apps. Um, I didn't use that. I actually had some help. But before even MMA latest, it was a web, my own website. That's how I was able to spot me, right? You got to make your own outlet, so to speak. So these things are skills in themselves, and they're they're definitely um, they're definitely worth learning, you know, uh, for for anything. Like I've, I've been getting more into maybe peeling the idea that I teased earlier in the show, getting more into cars uh, and vehicles and stuff, that, and that's a, that's a huge, you know, subsect of YouTube. And, uh, and that, so I'm, I, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely trying to expand and, and video, I think is something everybody is, is, is pivoting toward. I have to, I have to mention this. Cause you said you didn't want to get into it. You kind of told us what it was. I wanted to be noted that I did not ask about it. I did not push. I did not do any journalism trick. This is information we're getting from Dan firsthand. Will it willingly with nothing, you know, I'm just an innocent bystander standing by and we're getting this, this big information out of his own goodwill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if if any uh, cameraman in the Las Vegas area are looking for work, uh, hit me up. By the way, because this is a project that uh, <laughs> I may have to pay someone. I'll probably have to pay someone to help me with. But uh, but yeah, you you could say it combines with what I just said to, uh, of course, the field we work in. We'll see. We'll see if I can if I can pull it off. It's like that show. What is it? Comedians and cars getting coffee. I feel like I feel like you know. And just throwing it out. Here's a marketing guy. MMA fighters and cars. You know whooping people's ass on the street or something. I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing stuff out there. You catch whatever is good, whatever works for you. But I feel like we could be cooking with something here. 
Well, I, I'm a fan of not just uh, all kinds of cars, to be honest. If you all want to talk cars, I'm not an expert. I'm just a fan of, of it. Uh, but more um, outdoor outdoor vehicles, especially, you know, pre-pandemic, it was picking up. And now that everyone thinks we're in the apocalypse and we kind of are in some senses, everyone's really into their outdoor vehicles. And when I, I'm, I'm sure you do your own, when I break down fighters and you're preparing for an interview, there's probably a lot of crossover in our prep work, Lucas. Like, let me guess, you uh, we both probably uh, will go to a fighter or interview subjects Instagram page, right? Uh, as part of the process, perhaps that could be something if we're looking for things to see what's going on. And something I notice when I when I do those rounds on the fighter social medias is there a lot of them are really into the off roading, whether it's for camping, off, uh, you know, off road riding, rock climbing, or rock crawling. Any of these things, it seems like to be a, a thing a lot of fighters uh, fighters like. So I'm. I'm looking to see how I can meld those two worlds together. And I have to say, while while we're teasing stuff, right? Like, you know, I feel like I should put this out there. Uh, you know, I put on Twitter kind of a, a cryptic uh, John Jones-like tweet where I deleted it afterwards. I feel like people didn't understand it correctly, but with COVID, it's difficult. But I was thinking of doing something similar to, you know, maybe flying out to like a big, I said a, a big market. I guess people thought I meant like Walmart or something, but I meant like, like a Coconut Creek, like a Dallas, Texas, like uh, somewhere that has a lot of fighters you know, renting out a studio and just getting in as many in-person podcasts as you can with these guys. Like, I feel like, you know, I feel like the, the interviews over Skype and stuff, really a lot of people could get into that. But in terms of you shoot a fighter a text like, hey, would you be willing to meet me at a studio? Not just any idiot can do that. And I feel like being in this long enough, like you could do something. Like that. So I feel like that could be something interesting there too. But it's, a, you know, you just got to mess around with the ideas and figure out what is that thing that, you know, you're going to do that's going to get the eyeballs. And people are going to see and like, whoa, not just any idiot can do what this guy's doing yeah that's a great idea man or maybe you do it where you combine it with like one of those international fight weeks when they have the three events like if they do like a vegas one right um and you, you do that and you get a bunch of camps that are going to be in town as well you're in town to work maybe you could pay off your expenses through media work and then in, in between your basic media duties whether they're for um your own outlet or an outlet you're working for whatever your setup is in between and uh, you do and again I, a lot of the best guys i know have done this. Uh, have done this hustle. In between, you schedule stuff with the fighters, especially in this day and age. Everyone's going to be itching to get out, get themselves out. Um, so you know, maybe it might actually be easier to get interviews and access. Right? There's sadly less people to compete with and more space to get out there. And, and the importance of the space is now more known by these fighters. I think it's a fantastic idea. But again, you know, um, again, you know that, that that's just they're out there, right? They're they're, they're hard. They're not easy to come out, you know, come up with. But look, you, you're coming up with some of yourself, and you know, it's 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 fueling. Uh, people watching this right now are the real winners, I think, Lucas. Uh, they're going to be running away with our ideas, but neither here nor there. They're they're going to be driving fighters in cars over to studios to do pot. They're going to take everything. They they're going to take amateur fights and stuff like that. Yeah, we're we're giving the people so much gold right now, and it's like, and we're just going to be looking at them like, you know, it's like the key and peel. That no, I said that. Like, you know, we're just going to be on the outside looking. At them. <laughs> it's okay if that if that happens, man. We'll team up post COVID, and we'll make them both happen ourselves, brother. There we go. We we I mean we've tried to team up, right? But we know that if I join somewhere, you immediately have to leave. I was telling people off camera, like if I ever join MMA Junkie, sorry Dan, like you're gonna have to hit the road, maybe yeah, join ESPN awesome. or something. But you know, I, I I'm here, I'm taking over. Let me call Lucas the boot because when he shows up, you know you're getting the boot. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's that's perfect. Uh, listen, I do want to talk to you a little bit. You join, uh, you join MMA Junkie for for a lot of people. That's that's the that's the goal, right? That's kind of the dream is having that big outlet that sends you that offer letter, and you're like, holy shit, you know, I'm with a USA Today affiliated site, all that stuff. What what sort of happened with you joining MMA Junkie? What was kind of that process like, or at what point did you realize, like, you know, I'm about to be employed by these guys? Kind of too good to be true, and even now it feels that way to be honest. Um, because at the end of the day, I'm. It's, stupid lucky right like they never uh, kind of had that role before me so not only is it a a small small exclusive team like a lot of these teams are right like you're like what the wait you're making room for my role now it was difficult there was a lot of behind the scenes talk that i can share that like it was a, and this is not abnormal by the way um for in for for a lot of outlets um, a lot of times the people, when they get to an outlet, it's been in the works for like a year or so plus, like these things take a while. There's so many things that have to happen. And even if you have the, the, if you're lucky enough to have the right people pushing for you, which I was definitely lucky enough to have, 
still doesn't guarantee anything in this game. It still doesn't make anything go any faster. That's for dang sure, right? Um, so even though I am a contrarian and I don't like these big crossover events, I kind of threw some low-key shade. You can tell where I stand on the Jake Paul things of the world. To be honest, Mayweather-McGregor was a big reason why a lot of opportunities opened up in the media in 2017, mid-year, um, because that was announced, of course, earlier, before it happened in August, and there was this whole ridiculous buildup for everybody that remembers. And that drove so much traffic. And talk about crap about McGregor for what you will, but you know it's true. The rising tide does raise all boats analogy does fit toward him because it did open quietly a lot of spots in the media is where you know crazies like me were able to slip through the cracks and uh <laughs> they haven't been able to get rid of me yet no just kidding but uh no i mean it, it was a big help honestly to get me to where i am and again man just like even though i'm there I'm, I'm not there man i haven't made it anywhere i still look at myself like a noob there's been a bunch of people like i'm not i'm no longer the new guy there's like four or five people uh, that can be the new guy, you know, since I've been hired. That being said, I still feel like the new guy because that's my own mindset um, because there's just, there really is just so much to learn, man. There's so much to freaking learn. Uh, there's so much that I'm not good at, and there's so much that I want to be be better at. Um, so I, I keep my nose down, and I don't stop and smell the roses enough. But, yeah, I'm very lucky uh, to have made it on a junkie because, like you said, I don't know if it's for every – you know, if everybody was their dream, I can honestly say like that was my destination point. Like when I first got introduced to the sport, um, junkie had not officially been made yet, but I followed tag radio, which turned an MMA junkie radio, which I eventually got on, which is kind of crazy in itself. Like I followed those guys, George and goes when they were still out in California. And then when they partnered with John Morgan and danced up for MMA junkie and MMA junkie radio, this is what, 2007, 2008? Um, it was literally from that point on, it was like my homepage when I would open up the internet. It wasn't Google and Yahoo. My homepage was MMA Junkie, you know? Uh, and uh, so it's super surreal that my byline is up on there and I'm very grateful for it. Um, but yeah, man, like, I don't know if I could duplicate that or recommend, you know, it's, it's, it's so many things that they'll... So many things uh, in the universe had to have happened for me to have gotten here. So it's it's kind of crazy to be honest. So so what was kind of like your reaction, your sort of emotions when like you get to, I don't know if how they did it, like offer letter or whatever, but when you realize like it's official, like I'm about to put uh, MMA junkie in my Twitter bio, and you know nobody's gonna make fun of me for you know doing something weird. Like what, what was kind of like? Well, how did that feel for you at that moment? And this is kind of a weird note, but it's probably the most honest one to share. I don't think I've, I've shared this before, but um, I, it felt good and all that. And I think I even got like the blue check mark later and I don't, I, I hate the blue check mark. Come on, come on, Dan. How, I, that's that's, how people, that's people, a nice thing, you know? Yeah, the, there's a lot of blue check mark hate. And I'm like, again, I'm honestly like for a lot of things with me, like I'm not an ego guy, so it just, it doesn't do much for me. But so like, I got that like a little bit later. That was cool. But, you know, it's crazy. I think the people around me, it meant more to um, a girl I was with at the time. Uh, she was with me from like, I think when I came home from the sparring session and I, I wasn't right. I had the concussion and that led to me losing my cushy corporate gig um, where I, I met her at the time. Right. So she kind of witnessed this journey of somebody one shot. And I'm not even a pro. I'm no one special. I didn't even, not that I was going to get paid for an amateur fight, but I didn't even make it to the night. And, you know, you kind of watch somebody lose everything. And then through luck, you can't compete. You're just trying to stay involved with martial arts as much as you can. You know, I'm, I'm still feeling dizzy at this point. Uh, this is really bad at the recovery process, right? Or the concussion, post-concussion syndrome. And next thing you know, I'm writing, getting picked up by MMA latest, this journey we talk about, right? And so this person watched me go and kind of lose it all and build it back up and make a career. Next thing I'm working, I know I'm working for latest flow. And like you said, Lucas, the letter, if you will, the official, however you want to call it, the contract comes through um, where it's, I know it's a done deal. And, you know, I remember her just crying and or my mother since then being very proud of me like she 
not that she wasn't before. It's a complicated thing, but it was like, like, ah, you're actually, you're doing so, you know, you, you really are, you know, following through on this. So I think seeing what it meant to other people meant more because even though I'm still technically an independent contractor, like I like these fighters, which is another reason why I sympathize with the fighters, right? A lot of us in the media are, it's really tough to have that full, full-time position, but still, I'm, I still made it to the big team. I, I, I'll give myself that credit. And it was like, it was, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm sharing something too personal there, but like I can honestly answer it better from other people's perspectives, to be honest, than my own, if that makes sense. And so we're giving all this love to MMA Junkie, but that that's not the only employer. That's not the only uh, the only brand that gets to have the the Dan Tom name. We saw line movement. They showed up. I feel like they did a little bit like Flow Combat, the Athletic, a little bit, where they picked out the best guys for what they were doing, and they just plucked everybody, like yourself, James Lynch. Uh, and there's a ton of guys that I'm forgetting that are going to hate me for it. But you know what what sort of happened with line movement? Because it did seem like they decided we're going to do MMA, and they're like anyone that fit that that's you know, the best when it would come to betting in this situation with MMA, we're going to bring them onto the team. Yeah, man. Um, line movement came along uh, probably earlier than it officially came along. Again, like many things in this industry, it, it takes, it takes a minute. There's a lot of rumblings, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of things that, that build. It usually just doesn't happen overnight. And if it does happen overnight, you should worry, right? Uh, you should definitely worry. But uh, line movement, they essentially looked to uh, kind of technical, like a lot of the ca- companies out of Canada, so forth, uh, betting companies. And they essentially were looking to do hockey and different sports, golf, uh, right? NFL, uh, MMA. And as you see, the one thing that did pick up in this pandemic, oddly enough, even though the sports were disjointed, but sports betting in itself, you know, didn't miss a day. Um, in fact, it, it, it 10x, right? So there is definitely a market there. And for me, even before I got into the media side of things, I would kind of just, I've never been a, a fan of gambling. In fact, I was super against it because, um, not because I'm against gambling, it's just never been a big thing for me. I could give or take with it. But for me, I was such a purist. And like, I'm a purist now to a lot of people's definition, but I was even more of a purist where I was like, no way would I ever disrespect the sport by putting money on a fellow martial artist to lose. I literally like, had these opinions, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then eventually I got so into it. I'm like, wait, this guy's a certain, certain underdog. And I'm like, well, I'm, not, I'm paying too close attention to not, not try my hand at this. And that's how I got into it for fun. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm having to do this analysis for my job. Why not offer again, uh, find your angles, right? There's plenty of people that are better uh, at betting stuff than me, Lucas. But again, finding your angles in a field, I'm like, well, the same approach I did with the analysis breakdowns. I want to go for the the technical side that the, the, the media was lacking. Same with the betting media, right? Uh, so that was kind of my appeal and my approach. Luckily, line movement was down for that. So they used me for that. Uh, they got a shout out to Dan Levy, uh, who co-hosts the line movement MMA betting show. He is definitely more on the gambling side of things. He trains and he's familiar with martial arts. Don't don't get it twisted. But he's much more of a betting uh, guy. And then you've got someone like James Lynch who can break down fights. Uh, you could throw betting odds his way. He's not going to be lost. He can talk all that stuff all day. Obviously, he's more tenured in media interviews, which is a huge resource. Again, our prep crosses over with you guys. Uh, we we want to find out and research a fighter, a play, where their mindset's at. So it was a really uh, it was a really shrewd move by them actually to kind of get that symbiotic circle, if you will. Um, so thank you for the shout there. And yeah, yeah. So I've been with them for since last summer. So so yep that that is that is the other other place of employment for me right now. I can't believe how big betting is in MMA. I feel like for a long time everybody kind of agreed like in a sport where you could win the entire fight and get knocked out in the last second, like uh, Chan Sung Jung and Yair Rodriguez, everybody was like, oh, it's so dangerous to bet on it. And I feel like now we've seen such a huge boom where, you know, I I feel like all the people that do the interviews, half of the comments is just, you know, gamblers that are talking about, you know, what they're seeing from this, who are they training with that? Like, it's, it's crazy when you see like just how big it's gotten when I feel like this is one of those sports you know, basketball is kind of like that too, where you feel like anyone can win on any given night. Like I'll be terrified of trying to put money on any of these guys. It's definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely you'll lose, uh, you'll lose some years of your life, probably sweating out some of the MMA, uh, MMA fight results. I'll tell you that. That's why I always recommend keep it for fun, bet responsibly. 
Uh, I use the word beer money because, you know, uh, that being said, you know, I, I do know people that follow my work that are like serious gamblers and I do my best to help them. And I sweat for them, even if I'm not on the same side of like, I'm rooting for them. You know, I want them to do well. Uh, but I could totally see that. My, my man, John Hyunko says, even with his interviews, he's like, dude, people are telling me what questions to ask because they're all gamblers. They want to know certain things. So I know you're getting your fair share of that too, Lucas. It's, it's funny. Uh, you, you see some of these comments and you're like, well, you know, what on earth are these people looking for? Like the guy's like, oh, I really like the matchup. Did you notice the way he turned his head to the side? That guy's not really into it. You're like, come on. Like, what are you reaching for? Like, what, you know, maybe I asked the question weird or he's looking at me like, what's up with this guy's hairline? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many things people are looking for. And it's just, it, it's crazy. Like the little tendencies people look for. And even fighters, you find out fighters are watching these pre-fight interviews like everybody else trying to figure out the weakness the weakness i think brandon gibson was the one saying like they're looking for any kind of mental advantage they can get from some of these interviews so you think you're doing this for entertainment to hype up a fight but you realize so many people are using it for so many different reasons oh yeah man i mean i remember scouting people out back in the day uh trying to find stuff even the more earlier iterations of the internet i'm really dating myself now <laughs> like a decade ago um it's so much better now right and so much stuff is caught on film it's like oh you i could actually find stuff before i was having to go off of a pose and look at where his feet lined up in his stance so like oh he looks like he likes to load his high power kick but now it's like you actually have like all these videos of people on pads and in their classes they don't even know their film maybe <laughs> uh but before we wrap up though something a little bit more fun we saw uh, julian marquez who i believe was on with you guys at mma junkie radio quite a few times but had this kind of uh Hit hit miss kind of situation with Miley Cyrus. What did you think of that whole situation watching watching Julian Marquez put himself out there like that? Oh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna root for my guy Julian Marquez regardless, and I will probably root for anybody putting themselves out there. Whether you know it, it's my style, uh, the, you know who they're calling out, what the girl or the guy is, or any of that. Like that doesn't matter. I'll I'll, I'll root for you. You know, it doesn't okay. take much for Dan Tom to root for, but. Uh, it's tough, man, because, you know, I get what people are saying because like, you know, I think we all want to live vicariously a bit through Julian. Like what you have a chance. <laughs> like, I remember like, 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 you know, like I remember someone telling me like back in the day, like in 96 or 97, like a friend going, you don't like Britney Spears. I'm like, no, why should I like that stuff? And then like someone showed me a picture and I was like, oh, she's, she's an attractive lady. And they're like, yeah, bro. She's like part Hawaiian. And I don't even know why I'm not even in I don't even know if I'm like, in, uh, a beautiful woman's a beautiful woman to me, but like, you're like, oh, maybe she's from Hawaii. Maybe someone I know is from her. Maybe there's some kind of connection you could, and your brain goes in all these weird things. And like here, Julian Marquez is like with the microphone calling his shot and he gets it. You're like, ah, oh. so I can understand people going like, everyone's got to have their opinion, right? Like, oh, why didn't you just, why'd you got to counter offer her? Don't counter offer her. Just do it. <laughs> And, uh, and I'm like super, like, you know, I would have just, you know, again, you know, maybe not the confidence some girls are looking for in that sense, if I'm going to fold so easily, but I would have folded in that case. I would have been like, yes, yes. I would have shaved it into the right. chest hair that I don't have. Um, however, Lucas, you're, you're talking to like a dude who like, you know, like uh, I am the king of shooting myself in the foot when it comes to females and being awkward, like Michael Sarah's role in super bad. Uh, his his interactions in that movie were loosely based on Dan Tom. I mean, it. I am the king of awkwardness, so I have no room to criticize Julian uh, for any weird comebacks because I would have done it ten times worse, man. It, it felt like you're watching uh, Pawn Stars and you see him go back and forth in the negotiation. And you're like, you know, ask for one fifty, ask for one fifty, and then you see him like turn it down. And you're like, what the hell are you doing, like? Julian Marquez, you know, and because you do root for him, because you're like, you know what, good for you for shooting his shot. And then you see her respond, and you're like, uh, it's going to happen. Julian Marquez is going to seal the deal. And then he's talking about get a henna tattoo. And you're like, Julian, Julian, don't overplay your hand. But it feels like he did bring it back a little bit, right? Because he's creating a foundation or something. Like, Julian, you know, is trying to right that wrong. Like, give him credit. Like, this man's persistent. Uh, you know, hopefully he'll do the MC in the chest, and then whatever happens with those two happens. But you can't, you have to root for him. You can't be like, oh, I hope he doesn't get Miley Cyrus. Like, no, do the damn thing. You you know, we ask fighters to call people out. You called somebody out, and you might get that one. You know, you got to go for it, man. But, uh, you know, I feel, it did feel like when he put that tweet out there about the tattoo, like the entire MMA community was just like, oh, Julian, no. Yeah, I don't like to name drop or, or, or like for those purposes or, and I state my bias always, but. 
Um, I will say, Julian Marquez, uh, I hung out with him. He's a good dude, well, legit good dude. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll root for that guy for sure. And, and it felt like the the whole M- MMA community was rooting for you. And then people who didn't realize, who, who weren't into MMA, were rooting for him too. Like I saw somebody selling him like, oh, he's Cuban from the South or he's got a good beard. Or like, you know, you're like, you got everybody gassing you up. Like you got to go for it, man. Like it feels like there couldn't have been a single person in the world except for maybe Billy Ray Cyrus that was rooting against you in that situation. <laughs> that is very true. Although I got to imagine he's toughened up by now with everything that Miley Cyrus has put out there. Anyways, that's a whole nother subject, right? Oh, geez. <laughs> we're, we're about to dive into a whole conspiracy theory of Miley Cyrus, Britney Spears stuff. It, it, you know, but we're, we're going to hold, we're going to hold back on that. This isn't the, the early two thousands. Like we're going to, we're going to stay, stay safe in this one. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll try not to steer you off course, my friend. All right, listen, but we, we have done an hour here, crazy enough, and I always like to let the guests wrap up with, you know, the the shout-outs. I mean, you're not a fighter, so I imagine we're not going to spend 10 minutes of you shouting out all these different, you know, cups and mouth guards and stuff, but you do have social media, you do have outlets that you work for, stuff like that. Anything you want to shout out, man, anything you want to, you know, put it out there, the floor is yours. Yeah, I wish I had some co- coffee and CBD is the only sponsors I will strive for in life. I will retire right. with those two sponsors. I tell you that, Lucas. No, it's, it, thank you for having me on, man. Um, just, I guess, the easiest place to find me. I'm more, most active social media-wise is Twitter, at DanTomMMA. That's where I post all my work for all the aforementioned outlets, as well as my podcast, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, um, as well as the YouTube chan- channel, Daniel Tom MMA. I got to change it to Dan Tom MMA. <laughs> But I'm bad at this marketing stuff. I'm not like Julian Marquez. I can't just weave it into uh to to date call outs. You know what I'm saying, my man? But uh but yeah, that's where you can find me. And dude, this was awesome. Let's let let's chat again, man. Uh I, this was this was great, Lucas. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Dan. And for the people that are listening, thank you so much for listening and making it to the end. That's the big thing. People don't say you listen to the beginning, you made it to the end. If you're listening to this, you had to have made it to the end. So thank you to everyone, and especially a big thank you to Dan. <laughs>